I want to welcome everybody to the master's class here at Life Change Church. Life Change Church. And we are in the book of Genesis, imagine that. Chapter 22, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 14. And the title of the lesson today is A Dress Rehearsal for Calvary. A Dress Rehearsal for Calvary. Now, last week I started off by saying, that chapter 20 of the book of Genesis was one of those chapters that I would just like to skip over because Abraham, the hero of the faith that we've been studying about, just stumbles and does some things that we just do not normally associate with our heroes, right? Now, however, in chapter 22, we are going to leave that valley that we were in in chapter 20 and come to an absolute mountain peak in the spiritual life of Abraham. This chapter is one of the great, great chapters in all of the Bible. That's a pretty strong statement, but it is. Chapter 22 is the account of Abraham's obedience to God's command of offering Isaac as a burnt sacrifice. God commanded him to offer Isaac on the altar and then restrained him at the very last minute when he saw that Abraham was willing to go through with it. Now, this is the seventh and last appearance of God to Abraham that is described in this book. And it is the supreme test that God has brought this man to. Now, if you were to designate the ten greatest chapters of the Bible, you would almost certainly have to include Genesis chapter 22. The Word of God makes it clear that God requires a life to be given up in order that He might save sinners. And there is no one among the children of men worthy to take that place. Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, was the only one capable of fulfilling that role. Now, it's interesting that Paul said God spared not his own son, which might add to that he did spare the son of Abraham and did not let him go through with the sacrifice of Isaac. Now, in terms of depicting the great truths about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, this chapter easily compares with Psalms 22 and Isaiah 53. And you guys are all familiar with those. Now last week, we saw the similarity between the birth of Isaac and of Christ. And this week, we're going to see the similarity between the sacrifice of Isaac and the sacrifice of Christ. It is no accident that there is a similarity that exists between these two events. The Bible is full of repeated types and symbols that point to the real event in order to prepare us for when it actually happens. Now, in this case, God is revealing the gospel message of the sacrifice of Christ for our sins to his beloved servant, Abraham. We start off with our verses today. That's a short introduction, isn't it? Yeah, compared to what I normally do. That's a short introduction. Chapter 22, verse 1 of the book of Genesis. And it says, And it came to pass... After these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. I want you to notice the phrase that God did tempt Abraham. Now this does not mean that God solicited Abraham to do evil. 
The Bible says in James 1.13, Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now the word tempt, as it is used here in chapter 22, verse 1, it means tested or tried. Tested or tried. And this is just saying that God did test or try Abraham. And we read verses 2 through 14. I'm going to go through the whole story here that we're going to cover today. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went up to the place which, of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And they took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here am I. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, and it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Thank you. At 11.30 a.m. on May 29, in 1953, you guys remember the year 1953? Sir Edmund Hillary hoisted the British flag on the top of Mount Everest. Now, he had climbed to the very top, and in doing so, he had become the first man to conquer that mountain. Now, he had climbed to the very top of the world, and as he scaled that awesome face of Mount Everest, he faced discouragement, he faced danger, he faced disaster, he faced death. As he made his way up the sheer mountain faces, the great walls of ice that he had to climb over, the, uh, the gapping crevices and the falling boulders, and his arms were aching, his supplies were running low, his spirit sometimes jaded, but he pressed on and on against the bitter cold and the elements until finally he stood where no other man had ever stood, 29,002 feet above the level of the sea and planted the British flag there upon Mount Everest. Now, I wonder if they had oxygen along with them. Because at 29,000 feet, 
I imagine that air is getting pretty thin uh, up there. Now, no other man will ever climb higher because there's nowhere higher to climb than what this man climbed. In the physical sense, that is. But I believe that we come to another mountain here in Genesis chapter 22 that rears its head, Mount Moriah. And we come to two mountaineers, Abraham and Isaac, who will climb higher spiritually than any man had ever climbed up to this point or ever will climb upon this earth other than the Son of God himself. As they climb to this spiritual pinnacle, that is described for us right here in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis. So Abraham climbed the highest mountain of submission, and Isaac climbed the highest mountain of sacrifice, because you will remember that Abraham was the friend of God, the man of faith. And God had promised him a son. And God said to Abraham, Through this son, I'm going to bless the entire world, and I'm going to make you a father of many nations, in Genesis 17, 4. And God comes to him in this chapter and says, Take Isaac, your only son, take him up that mountain that I'm going to show you, and there offer him as a burnt sacrifice. I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to put him to death, this begotten son that I have given you. Now, without a doubt, Abraham has got to be in some kind of consternation because he cannot understand what God is telling him to do. But by this time, he has learned to say yes to the commands of Jehovah God. And he takes Isaac, and they start up that mountainside, and Isaac sees Abraham with a knife in one hand and a fire in the other hand, and Isaac says, Father, I see the knife. I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham, with his chest heaving, says in verse 8, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. So up the mountain they go. Isaac is bound on that mountain. He's laid upon that wood. And Abraham's hand is raised to the heavens. And he's ready to plunge it into the chest of his son Isaac when the angel of the Lord Jehovah God stops him. And he says, Abraham, you just hold your hand. And I know now that you fear me. I know that you will obey me. And then Abraham sees a ram caught in the thicket by his horn. And the ram becomes a substitute for Isaac. The ram is slain. And Isaac is set free. Now that's the basic story of the sacrifice uh, of Isaac by Abraham. But my, 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 what rich lessons are here for us today. And I want to speak to you today on this subject, a dress rehearsal for Calvary. A dress rehearsal for Calvary. Because I believe that right here in chapter 22, That is precisely what we see. Now, some of you may think in a moment that I am going to read way too much into this Old Testament Scripture, okay? You're going to think that I'm trying to see too much New Testament truth way back there in the book of Genesis. But I think not. 
I think not. Jesus tells us in John 8, 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. He saw it and was glad. That is, Abraham saw Jesus in the Old Testament, and Paul tells us in Galatians 3, 8, And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached what? Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that Abraham was justified by trusting in the Lord and by believing the gospel. Romans 4, 3 says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So now Isaac is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who died upon the cross. Isaac is an Old Testament portrait, an Old Testament prophecy, an Old Testament type and picture and projection of the Lord Jesus Christ who would one day die upon the cross. Because the book of Genesis is the seedbed of all Christian theology and doctrine that will follow in all the rest of the books of the Bible. Genesis is that seedbed. Now both Jesus and Isaac are the only son of promise and prophecy. When God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So what does that remind you of? Yeah. When Abraham was told to take his only son, and the book of Hebrews calls him his only begotten son, well, that reminds me of John 3.16, doesn't it, you? For God so loved the world that he gave his, what, only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Father, was offered up as a sacrifice. And not only that, but Isaac was received back to Abraham as though he had come back from the dead. He actually prefigures not only the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. And lest you think I'm stretching that point, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and read with me verses 17 through 19. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he also received him in a figure. Now why did Abraham offer Isaac up? Well, look in verse 19 where it says, Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now that last word, figure, means in a type. The words figure and type mean the same thing. That is, Isaac was raised from the dead figuratively as a type or symbolically of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, how did that happen? When Abraham went up that mountain to offer his son Isaac, he told those two young men who came with him, you guys just stay here. We're going to go up and we're going to worship the Lord and the lad and I are both going to come back down. He knew he was going to bring Isaac back down that mountain with him when he came. Now, How could he say such a thing? How could he know such a thing? It is because he knew if God had told him to put Isaac to death, 
then God would have to make him alive again. Amen? Amen? Everybody understand that? He could say, just because God had made a promise to him through Isaac. And he knew that somehow, some way, that Isaac was going to live and that he could not die because the promise that God had made to him. And so when Abraham came back down that mountain with Isaac, the Bible says figuratively, Abraham had received him from the dead. He prefigures not only the death of the Lord Jesus, but the resurrection of the Lord Jesus as well. Jesus died literally, and Isaac died figuratively. But I want you to see beyond the shadow of any doubt whatsoever, or peradventure, that the Bible uses this man, Isaac, as a type and picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys all seeing that? Now having said all that, I want you to see with me today what I'm going to call a dress rehearsal for Calvary. Now go back to Genesis chapter 22, and the first thing I want you to notice is what I call the way of the cross. The way of the cross. Now there's a word, and it's a very interesting word that comes in verse 3, verse 4, and verse 9. I want you to look at these three verses with me. Verse 3, God says this, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now, just underscore that word place in the phrase there. The place which God had told him. And then look, if you will, in verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Well, just underscore that word place there one more time. And then look, if you will, in, in verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. Now underscore that word place in that first sentence of verse 9. So we see that God repeats the word place and place and place three different times. Now, do you know what uh, the name Moriah means? It means chosen of God or foreseen of God. It means that God had Moriah in his heart and in his mind. God had chosen it. God had foreseen it. The place was not incidental. The place was not accidental. This place was fundamental to the plan of Almighty God. God had one place on all of this earth in mind where he wanted Abraham to take Isaac. It was a place foreseen of God. It was a place chosen of God. Why? Because it was the same place later that Jesus would die. Jesus died on Mount Moriah. And from eternity past, God had that hill called Calvary in his heart and in his mind. And from eternity past, Jesus walked the way of the cross, and Jesus said, to this end was I born, in John 18, 37. And Jesus steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. And Jesus came out of the ivory palaces and into this world of woe to go to that place. And that's the reason we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 33, in the New Testament. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand, and the other on the left. So that place called Moriah and this place called Calvary were the same place. Isaac was offered upon Calvary. 
Jesus was offered upon Calvary. It is the place that is appointed of God, the place chosen of God, the place foreseen of God. It is the way of the cross, and Jesus walked the way of the cross. Okay? But now also I want you to see not only the way of the cross, I want you to see with me this morning the woe of the cross, the woe or the anguish of the cross. Verses 4 through 5 of chapter 22. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now the young men went with Abraham and Isaac as far as they could go. But now there was a place, and there was a point, there was a line of demarcation beyond which they could not go. And the young men stayed behind. And the father and the son went up that rugged hill together and alone. And what does that speak of? Well, to me, it speaks of the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want you to uh, turn into uh, the New Testament, Mark chapter 14 for a moment. Remember now that Abraham has said to the young men, you stay here and I and the lad are going to go even further. Chapter 14 of the book of Mark, 34 through 36. And saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little, and he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless not that I will, but what thou wilt. So we see here the Father and the Son going further and going alone. And I believe what happened here on Mount Moriah is a prefiguring of dark Gethsemane when the Father and the Son alone trudged that pathway, that way of the cross. Because I believe the Father was with Christ every step of the way. Now, can you imagine what was going through Isaac's mind as they go up that mountain together? You know, there is this aged father, now over a hundred years old, with fire in one hand and the knife in the other. And he sees the wood. This is Isaac. He sees the wood. And he says, Father... I see that wood, I see the fire, I see the knife, so where's the sacrifice? And with a quivering chin, Abraham says, the Lord will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Now as Isaac looks into the face of Abraham and he asks no more questions after that, because he can see in Isaac's face the answer to this question. And he knows that his father can no further articulate what is getting ready to happen. There are no more questions from Isaac. Now, can you imagine what went through the heart of Isaac as father and son go up that mountain together? Can you imagine what went through the heart of Abraham? Listen, Genesis chapter 22 is as close as you'll find to finding the pulse beat, the heartbeat of God. If you want to know what God felt when Jesus went up the hill of Calvary, you place your hand on the chest of Abraham and you feel what went through Abraham's heart as he went up that mountain with Isaac. Only God knows what he was thinking. You know, a pastor told the story of a man who loved God, and God had blessed him with a newborn son. The pastor says to the man, you used to love God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. But now, now that you have had children of your own, now that you have a son of your own, you'll understand more about Calvary. You'll see it, not only the love that Jesus had when he died for you, 
But you'll see now the love that God the Father had when He gave His only begotten Son. And how true that is, right? As you think about your own sons and your own daughters. How true that is. Only God knows what was going through the heart of Abraham at this time. But I believe it prefigures dark Gethsemane. You stay here, Abraham said, and the lad and I are going together. And Jesus went into Gethsemane, and Peter, James, and John were told to stay there. But Jesus went on a little bit farther with his own father. Now next, I want you to notice not only the way of the cross and the woe of the cross, but I want you to notice the willingness of the cross. Chapter 22, verse uh, 6 of the book of Genesis. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And in verse 8 it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now what does all that mean? Well, now by this time, certainly Isaac has sensed what's going to happen. By this time, Isaac knows that he is going to be the sacrifice. Now certainly he knew it when Abraham asked him to stretch out his hands and he was bound. Right? By that time he had it absolutely figured out. This is what was going to happen. Now I want you to think about this. How old was Abraham at this time? Well, you know he was over 100 years old because Isaac was born when he was 100 years old. So he had to be a lot older than that, right? And as I said last week, there are some very good commentators out there that believe that Abraham could have been 133 years of age. And that would have meant that Isaac was 33 years of age, the same age as Christ at his crucifixion. Now, I, I don't know for sure how old Abraham or Isaac were. That's just what they say. I'm just telling you what, the, what they say. But I do believe that Isaac was not a small boy. But he was a strong and virile man. He was so strong that Abraham laid the bundle of wood upon his back and then told him to climb a mountain with it. Now, which means that he was not some little child. He had to be a man. He had to be a strong, virile man. And there they go together. Here's an aged man, one over a hundred years old of age, and here's a strong, virile man by his side. And they both go together. Now Isaac knows what's getting ready to happen. Isaac could have overpowered Abraham easily. Isaac could have outrun Abraham. Even with that stack of wood on him, I imagine he could have outrun Abraham, right? Because my sons can outrun me, and I don't have to be carrying anything, right? Now, uh, but oh... There is that willingness, there is that submission in Isaac. There is the way that Isaac says, not my will, but thine be done. And he goes with his aged father to get it. And for Jesus said, no man taketh my life from me, I lay it down of myself. John ten eighteen. And so we see the willingness of the cross. The willingness of the cross. Jesus was willing to die, not my will, but thine be done. And when Jesus was hanging upon that cross in agony and blood, they came by, all those soldiers and those people, they wagged their head, they pointed at him, and they said, ha ha, look at you, look at him. He saved others, but himself he could not save. Ah, oh, but they were so wrong. It was himself that he would not save. 
The only man that Jesus ever refused to save was the man Jesus. That was the only man he refused to save. The only man through all of eternity that Jesus has ever refused to save was himself. He could have called upon 12 legions of angels, but he willingly went to that cross. And I'm so glad that the Bible says here that Abraham and Isaac went together. For to me, it speaks not only of the way of the cross and the woe of the cross, but it speaks of the willingness of the cross. Now, did that answer your question as best I could about how old he was? I don't know. But I know he wasn't just a small boy, as they like to tell us. So, but I want you to see something else. I want you to see the weight of the cross. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Now that word wood in the Bible is symbolic of humanity. In the book of Psalms, a righteous man is spoken of as a tree planted by the rivers of water. Jesus is spoken of as a root out of the dry ground in Isaiah 53, 2, out of the stump of Jesse. Wood in the Bible, in typology, has been used as a symbol of humanity. And I believe that the laying of the wood upon Isaac is symbolic of the laying of humanity upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He left the gold of his glory and took the wood of our wickedness. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. Now turn with that same thought into chapter 19 in the uh, chapter 19 of the book of John in the New Testament. Now keep in mind now that Isaac is going up Mount Moriah. So John 19 verses 17 through 18 says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one and Jesus in the middle. Now, I, I believe that Jesus, with a cross on his back, went up that very same hill that Isaac went up with that wood on his back to that same place foreseen of God, that place chosen of God, that Mount Moriah in the heart and the mind of God, bearing the burden, bearing the weight of the cross. And the weight of that cross that got heavier with every step, so heavy that Jesus fell beneath the load. Now, it speaks of the weight of our sin, the weight of our humanity, the weight of our weakness, the weight of our failures that was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, who laid aside gold of his glory and took the wood of our weakness and the wood of our wickedness and bore it to Calvary. Thank God for the weight of the cross. But I want you to see something else even. Verses 9 and 10. And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So now there are three elements that are here. There's a cord by inference because it says that Isaac was bound, so there had to be a cord, right? There is wood because he's laid upon that wood. And there is a knife with which to wound and to cut. Now what do these things all speak of? They speak of the work of the cross. What was the cord for? It was for binding. What was the knife for? It was for bleeding. What was the wood for? It was for burning. 
the binding, bleeding power of sin, the awful penalty of sin, the horror of sin, the price that must be paid. That's what these three elements symbolize. Sin has binding power. Sin has blood-shedding power. Sin has burning power. Sin has burning power for the wicked will burn in hell forever. And Jesus, upon that cross, as they bound him, as they laid him upon the wood of his cross, as the nails caused him to bleed, and for us he felt that binding, bleeding, burning power of sin. Amen? So what is the work of the cross? It is this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when he became sin for us, when the wood of our wickedness was laid upon him, he went up Mount Moriah, and there he died upon Calvary's cross and paid in full penalty for our sins. And I want to tell you that one day God knew that he would see his own son stretched out upon the wood. And God knew that one day he must raise an eye, that great knife of his own fierce wrath against sin, and that knife must fall upon his own son the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of the cross is that Jesus died for our sins, that he took the full penalty, he took the binding, he took the bleeding, he took the burning, he took it all. Praise his holy name. Now next, there is one last thing that I want you to see. Not only do I want you to see the work of the cross, but I want you to see the word of the cross. Verses 10 through 14. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns, Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So what is the word of the cross? I'll tell you what it is in just a moment. But I want you to see Abraham with his hand raised to the heavens. That quivering hand is about to plunge it into the heaving chest of Isaac, his only begotten son. The son of promise, the son of prophecy, the son of a miracle birth, the son of love, and the son of hope. And that knife is about to fall when an angel says, Abraham, hold your hand. Because now God is about to give us another great spiritual lesson. And he's about to pour illustration right on top of illustration. So here's another comparison to the cross. Isaac is not to die. Why could the knife not fall upon Isaac? Because one day it must fall upon Jesus. Up until this point, Isaac can give us a type and can be that type up until this point. Isaac can be the illustration of the cross. But Jesus does something strange and wonderful. He says, Abraham, don't you do it. I know now that I have your heart. 
And then Abraham looked, and he sees a ram caught in the thicket. And incidentally, God always knows what he's going to do. You know, I believe that when Abraham started up one side of that mountain, that ram started up the other side, so he'd be there. Right? Now, you know, God had the whole thing in his heart and all in his mind. This wasn't some accidental ram sitting there getting caught in the corner. And there Abraham sees that ram. And here's the strange thing. His head is caught in what? A thicket. What are thickets? Thorns. He's wearing a crown of thorns. There he is, and he says, take him, put him to death. Now what must Isaac have felt when those bonds were taken from him? Now when he gets up off that altar, I wonder, did he embrace that ram? I wonder, did the tears flow down his eyes when he looked into the liquid eyes of that ram there dying upon that altar? I wonder what he thought when he saw the blood of that sacrificed animal that was spread there. And he knew, he died in my place, this ram has become my substitute. So what is the word of the cross? The word of the cross is that God has provided a substitute for mankind. That's the word of the cross. Now do you know Abraham called this place a very special name? Verse 14. Says, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, do you know what the name Jehovah Jireh means? It means the Lord will provide. Now, do you know what Abraham called Mount Calvary? He calls Mount Calvary the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. So why did Abraham call Mount Moriah upon which Jesus one day, uh, one day died? Why did he call it Jehovah Jireh? Why? Because now he had seen. Now the gospel had been preached unto Abraham. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. So what had he seen? What, had, what is God going to provide? Why did he call it the Lord will provide? We'll go back to verse 8 and look at it. And Abraham said, son... God will provide himself a lamb in Genesis 22.8. Now that's what Abraham saw. And that's why he called it the Lord will provide. Because Abraham now had looked down through the tunnel of time and God had spoken to this man who was a friend of God and God said, I will provide a lamb. But now notice what it says. The Lord will provide himself a lamb. It doesn't say the Lord will provide a lamb for himself. It says the Lord will provide himself a lamb. The Lord is that lamb. The Lord presents himself. Jesus is that lamb. And upon the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And that's what verse 14 is telling us. Look at it. Upon the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. On Mount Calvary, one day, men would see God providing himself as a lamb. One day on this place, this sacred place, God has provided himself a lamb, and that's the reason when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, come, John the Baptist, and he was pointing to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which hath taken away the sin of the world. In John 1.29. For the Lord Jehovah Jireh has provided himself as the lamb. Now that's the word of the cross. 
That's the reason I've told you that Genesis 22 is a dress rehearsal for Calvary. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There was no reprieve for the Son of God. There was for Isaac, but not for Jesus. And God knew that one day He would spare not His own Son because He loved you that much. Amen? Amen. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful story? My goodness, I got to studying that this week, and my heart was just jumping up and down. I love teaching lessons like that. Can you imagine the gospel of Jesus Christ in the book of Genesis? Yeah? And people say that the Old Testament is old and gone and past, right? 